0: to us the necessity the goodness of the wisdom of God and why it is that we should cherish and seek for God's wisdom above all the wisdom of this world right and really Proverbs goes along perfectly with Psalm 119 it's t- teaching essentially the same the same truths over and over again which is what the Bible is doing over and over and over again teaching the same things in many different ways because we have need to be reminded of these things constantly constantly And one of the things that is so important for us to be reminded of is of our our need for God's wisdom. We need understanding, we need knowledge that comes from God so that we can have salvation and we can know how to rightly order our lives. Otherwise, we're gonna be stumbling and fumbling in the dark to our own ruin and destruction. And it is the word of God that gives us light and understanding so that we can do those things that are pleasing to God. So let's read Proverbs chapter two. Says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, he is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he uh, preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good men, And keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to, Lord, see how desperately we need you to teach us. Lord, we are naive, we are simple, we are foolish in our own understanding. Lord, anything that comes from us or anything that comes from this world, Lord, it is perverse, it is devious. Lord, it is contrary to your will. So, Lord, we need you to give us heavenly wisdom. Lord, your wisdom, your understanding, your knowledge, Lord, that we might be reconciled to you, Lord, that we might know the way of salvation, that we might know how to live a life pleasing to you. Lord, that we might be prepared to stand before you on the day of judgment. So Lord, we pray that today you would teach us, Lord, that you would be our teacher and our guide and that Lord, your Holy Spirit would enlighten us, Lord, giving us understanding and that Lord, we would take your word into our heart and that it would bear much fruit within us. So Lord, teach us today to seek after and to cherish Lord, your wisdom and Lord, may we esteem, your understanding as greater than any understanding that comes from this world, and it is in Christ name that we pray, Amen. Okay, Proverbs chapter two. There in verses one to four, he says this: My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. If you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure. Here, the prophet is commending to us the necessity of seeking the word of God, right? The goodness of God's word, it has so much goodness in it, and there's so much of what we need there, but we also are called to be diligent. We have to be attentive. We have to receive the word. We have to treasure the word, right? We have to listen and incline our heart to the word. We have to cry out for understanding, he says, We have to lift up our voice for understanding, right? Crying out to God to teach us and to help us. Seek her as silver, search for her as hidden treasure. This is the attitude that we have to have toward the word of God. And this is the pursuit that we have to have of the things of God. These things must be at the forefront of our mind and we must yearn and long for these things. Now we might say, well, all of these things, yes, these are necessary and true, but no one can do this on their own. Only God can do this in a man, and that is true. Yes, it is true that only God can cause us to treasure his commandments. Only God can cause us to incline our heart to these things, to be attentive to these things. So yes, it takes the work of God for this to be true of us. However, that doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility. It does not mean that we are not called, and it is not our obligation and duty to seek after these things. Yes, God must do it, but we also must apply ourselves to diligently seek the word of God, the wisdom of God, and incline our things to our mind and our heart toward the wisdom of God. And God uses that, right? God uses these means in order to give to us his wisdom. If we look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, Deuteronomy chapter 10, we'll see a few places in Deuteronomy, where the prophet Moses is teaching both the expectation, the commandment, that the people would themselves circumcise their heart, but also that God himself must be the one that does it. So the necessity of God's work and the necessity of man seeking these things These are not in contradiction to one another, as many people want to make them, but rather we teach and hold these things in perfect harmony and unison together. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 says, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, the Lord your God, to the Lord your God belong heaven in the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet your fathers did not, uh, did the, yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, even you above all peoples, as it is this day. So circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer, for the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords. The great and the mighty, the awesome God, who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. So show your love for the alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and cling to him. You shall swear by his name. He is your praise and he is your God, who has done these things, great and awesome things for you, which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of the heaven. There, he's telling them that it is their obligation. What does God require of them? He requires that they fear God, that they walk in his ways, that they love him, that they serve him with all of their heart, with all their soul, that they keep his commandments and his statutes. He even tells them that they have to circumcise their heart He says, circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. That men have uncircumcised hearts, that men have stiff necks is not the fault of God, but rather it is the result of man's own sin. However, we also know that it takes the work of God. It takes the miracle of God in order for this to come about. God must circumcise the heart for us. Deuteronomy 29 verse 4. It says, yet to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. Up to this point, the people, Moses is, the people he's teaching, he's telling them, up to this day, God has not given you this heart. He has not given you a heart to know him. Well, what does it take? Chapter 30, verse 6. It says, moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, so that you may live. Ultimately, the Lord will do this for his elect. God will circumcise their heart so that they love the Lord their God with all their heart and their soul that they may live. So God must do it. However, at the same time, the expectation is put before us is the means that God uses to bring this about. And this is as the prophet is doing in Proverbs chapter 2. He's telling the son that you need to seek these things. You need to be attentive to them. You have to search for these things. Right. Don't be consumed with the world. Don't be consumed with the things of this world. But rather, this must be your pursuit, the things of God, the wisdom of God found in the word of God. You must search for it as hidden treasure. The word of God contains the treasury of God's wisdom, and we must seek for it in the word. Verse 5. If we seek for it, then what will happen? Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of god right when we seek after it then what will god do he will give us what we seek he will we will find what it is that we are looking for we will discern the fear of the lord we will discover the knowledge of god when someone diligently sincerely right with an objective mind and a prayerful mind is reading the bible not as a critic, not as a skeptic, not as some curious fanatic who wants to delve into this mystery and that mystery, but as someone who wants to know what the Bible says so that he can live a godly life. If he's approaching the Bible that way and is diligently reading the Bible, studying the Bible, talking to other people about the Bible, if he comes to something he doesn't understand, he looks for someone who can help him understand and he just wants to know what does the Bible say? If that's the attitude that we have and we're reading and listening and doing those things, right, that are necessary, then God is going to give us the fear of the Lord. We're going to grow in our understanding and in our knowledge of the things of God. If we are seeking it, then we will find it. Isn't this what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, 7 to 11? Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. If we are asking, seeking, longing for the knowledge of God, the fear of the Lord, is God going to deny that to us? No, he's going to give it to us. And that's what he's saying here in verse 5. You're going to discern these things, right? You're going to know and discover the knowledge of God. Isn't that a good knowledge to have? The knowledge of God, right? Don't people get all up in arms and, and they really, uh, when they talk about the Renaissance or they talk about the Enlightenment, how these things were lost for many decades, for many generations, and then they, uh, you know, they get all glowy in the face when they talk about how wonderful it is that they rediscovered the arts and the linguistics and all these ancient things that people forgot. Well, okay, that's good and fine and great. But what about this? Do people have the same ecstatic reaction when it comes to knowing the word of God, when it comes to knowing the knowledge of God. But which is better, right? The knowledge of antiquities, the knowledge of ancient histories, or the knowledge of God? Well, it's the knowledge of God. It's the fear of the Lord. That's what we should love and what we should long for. And here, God will give that to us. If we seek for it, if we want it, then God will graciously give all things to us. Verse six. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. Man does not have wisdom. It must be given to us as a gift from God. Meaning the first step to becoming wise is admitting and seeing that we are fools. That we have no wisdom of our own. And the only way that I can have wisdom is if God gives it to me graciously as a gift i can't come demanding it i can't come entitled to god saying god you owe this to me because i'm such a good person i'm not a good person i'm a fool in my natural state god has wisdom and god is the one who must graciously give it to us and we have to come to him that way as beggars as humble men coming to god begging him to teach us lord give me wisdom i don't have it But I need it. I know that I need it. I know that I desperately need your wisdom. So will you give it to me? Give me what I don't have. From the mouth of God come knowledge and understanding. From God's own mouth. And where is God's mouth found? On earth. In his holy word. The holy word of God records to us the sayings of God. The words of God. Right? What comes from his mouth is found in his word. So in his word our knowledge and understanding, true knowledge and understanding of spiritual things, of eternal things, the things that we need for life and godliness, the wisdom that we need for salvation. The sacred writings that Timothy was acquainted with from childhood were able to make him wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is what the Bible is teaching us. This is what the knowledge, the wisdom found in the word of God is for. It is for salvation. It is for spiritual things so that we might know who God is and how we can be reconciled to him and how we can live a life that is pleasing to God. Where are we going to find this knowledge at? We cannot discern this by looking at the stars. We cannot discern this by looking at trees or looking at nature. Though, yes, it is true, according to Romans chapter one, that there is a knowledge of God found in the created order, namely his eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen in those things. But will that knowledge ever result in salvation? According to Romans one, no, it always results in what? Idolatry apart from the work of God. Where is the knowledge necessary for salvation found? It's in the Bible, in the Holy Bible of God. And this is where we should seek it. We have to come to God in this way. We must be completely dissatisfied and detest our own wisdom and the wisdom of this world. We have to see it that it's nothing. It is absolutely nothing. We have to become fools in order to become wise. This is the way it is. James chapter one. James chapter one. Says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. If any man lacks wisdom, and what is true of us? We all lack wisdom. We all lack wisdom. Well, who do we have to go to to get it? We have to go to God. Let him ask God, and God will give to us generously without reproach. He's not going to reproach us and say, get out of here, you fool. Why why are you bothering me? He doesn't do that. But when we come to him humbly, saying god i lack wisdom and i need you to teach me please teach me your wisdom what will he do he will give to us graciously and without reproach it will be given to him isn't that the same as what we're seeing here in proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 the lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding verse 7 he stores up sound wisdom for the upright He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. God stores up sound wisdom for the upright, not for the wicked. The wicked, they reject the wisdom of God. They don't want it. They don't seek it. They like their own wisdom. They like the wisdom of this world because the wisdom of this world allows men to indulge in what? To indulge in sin. But the wisdom of God teaches us to deny our sin, to renounce sin, to repent of sin, to trust in Christ and to live upright, godly lives in this present age. And this is why it is the upright. It is those who understand their sin, who understand the salvation of God, who want to live a godly life God stores up wisdom for them. God has given them wisdom and God will continue to give them wisdom throughout their life because they are pursuing the right things, the things of God. They don't want God's wisdom so that they can go live in sin. They're not adulterous people like that. They want the wisdom of God to overcome their sin. This is why they want it. And God stores it up for them, for the upright. He gives it to them. He doesn't give it to the world. He doesn't give it to the wicked, but he gives it to the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. He is a shield to them, right? The word of God, the wisdom of God is a shield for those who walk in integrity. It protects us from sin and from the deadly consequences of sin. Doesn't the Bible tell us to not be deceived? God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man sows that he will also reap. Well, the wisdom of God tells us the dangers of sin. And when we listen to the wisdom of God and we say, okay, then I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live that kind of a life. I don't want to be around those kinds of people. And I'm going to walk in integrity. I'm going to walk according to the wisdom of God. Then doesn't that provide a shield, a protection for us as we go through life, right? What danger is there for us if we're doing the will of God? Well, we may face danger from wicked men, but what danger is there from God? of eternal hell, of destruction and the judgment of God if we're doing his will. The danger is always found in sin. That's where danger is found. That is the treacherous path. Well, when we are walking in wisdom, then we have a shield about us. We have a protection for our lives when we walk in the wisdom of God according to his integrity. We remember Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30 Verses five and six tell us every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will reprove you and you will be proved a liar. Right. There is safety in the word of God. Whenever we walk according to the word of God, then we are in a place of safety. We have a refuge. We have a shield. That protects us because God is not against us when we're doing what's pleasing to him. But whenever we transgress and we move beyond the word of God, either by taking away from it or by adding to it, now we're in danger because we've moved beyond the word of God and we're not in the refuge anymore. We're living according to our own wisdom because if it's not found in the Bible, then where is it coming from? It's coming from our own flesh and ultimately it's coming from the devil, Can we live according to the wisdom of the devil and expect the safety of God? Expect God to be a refuge to us? No, because the reason the Son of Man appeared is to destroy the works of the devil. And if we're living according to demonic wisdom, then we are not in a place of safety. But if we're living according to the word of God, then we have a shield, a protection for us that will protect us both in this life But ultimately, it will protect us on the day of judgment in the life to come. Verse 8, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Here, when we take the wisdom of God, the path of justice is guarded. The path of the justice of God and the way of the godly one is preserved by the Lord. Right, this again, when we are living according to the wisdom of God, according to God's word. 1 Samuel chapter 2. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 9 says, He keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, he will give strength to his a king, and will exalt the horn of his anointed. So there God keeps the feet of the godly. He keeps them from stumbling, he keeps them from falling, from slipping to their own ruin and misery. But the wicked ones are going to be silenced. Remember in Psalm 73, it says there that he puts them on slippery places. God puts the wicked on slippery places. And if you're on a slippery place, eventually you're going to what? You're going to slip and fall to your own ruin and destruction. Well, God doesn't do that for the godly ones. They're the ones walking according to the word of God. Those who are walking uprightly, listening to the wisdom of God, they're walking on a level ground. A level, solid, firm foundation. It's a narrow way, but it is a level way, the way of the Lord. But those who reject the wisdom of God, they are on slippery places. And eventually, they're going to slip and fall to their own ruin and destruction. Then you will discern, verse 9, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. Again, when we receive the wisdom of God found in the word of God, then we're going to have discernment of righteousness, justice, equity, and every good course. Isn't it important for us to know the difference between good and evil? To know the difference between righteousness and wickedness? Okay, well, where are we going to go to find this? How are we going to know what is good and what is evil? What is right? What is wrong? Right? What leads to heaven and what leads to hell? Are there not a million people out there telling us the difference between good and evil? Telling us what values we need to adopt? Telling us how we need to live? Telling us how we need to raise our children? Telling us how we need to vote in the upcoming election? Telling us all the things that we need to do in our life. Many people are telling us this is right, this is wrong. This is good, this is evil. This is how you need to live and you don't need to do this. But where do we need to go to get the true understanding? We have to go to the Bible. Then we will discern true righteousness, not the righteousness of men, not the estimation and opinions of men of good and evil, but God's understanding, what God says about righteousness, about justice, about equity. And if it's in the Bible, then that settles it. Then that is what is good and right. So for example, today, you would not... Find it said or taught in the culture or in many churches that the just penalty for someone committing, say, the sin of sodomy, right? What does the Bible teach is the just penalty for the sin of sodomy? Well, the Bible teaches execution, that this is what is just and right for those who practice these sins. Well, where do you get that wisdom from? You're not going to find it in the world. I can promise you that. And you're not going to find it even in most churches, but that's what the Bible says. Is that a good standard for today? Yes, it is, because it's in the Bible. And as we read earlier this morning from Psalm 119, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. So what was declared to be true all those years ago by the prophet Moses remains true today in that this is what ought to be the case, even in our own present day. Well, we're going to learn this, not in the world. They're not going to tell us this. You're not going to learn that on CNN. Surprise, surprise. The Washington Post, the New York Times, none of them are going to tell you these things. What are they going to tell you? They're going to say the exact opposite, and they're actually going to say, the one who needs to be put to death is someone like me, who would even utter something like this publicly. But where do we have to go? We have to go to the Bible. The Bible, that's where we have to go to discern and to learn righteousness, justice, equity, and every good course. The only way we can know the good, right course, the good way is from the word of God. That's where we have to go. This is what we must be convinced of. Only the Bible is going to teach me these things. In anything in the world that speaks on a topic that the Bible addresses, It's going to be a lie and the Bible is going to be true. They are liars and the word of God is true. And I'm going to believe the Bible. That's what we have to have in our mind. And I'm going to reject whatever contradicts the Bible. Whatever comes from the world has to be rejected because of what we read earlier in 1 John chapter 2. The world is passing away along with its lust. But the one who does the will of God will live forever. Proverbs 28 verse 5. Proverbs 28 verse 5 says evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. Evil men don't understand justice. Isn't that what we see today in our present world? There is no justice in the land because those who are committing sins that deserve either execution or they deserve some penalty, they're not being penalized at all. Because evil men don't understand justice, right? For them, good is evil and evil is good. They actually reward evil and they want to punish those who do good because they are evil men. But those who seek the Lord, they understand all things. They understand because who are they going to? They're going to God. And God understands everything. God is the perfect standard of justice and righteousness. And whatever he says in his word, that's what we should believe. And we don't need to listen to these people who say, well, that was in the Old Testament. Have you ever heard people say that? That was in the Old Testament. And during that time or in that culture, yes, that's what they did. But but not in our culture today. It was only for that period of time. Or that was only for the nation Israel. But today we live in a progressive society and we shouldn't put people to death because it's cruel and unusual punishment you know, to execute criminals. Well, I think it's cruel and unusual to make me pay for them to be in prison the rest of their life, right? To tax me to death, to pay for them to be in prison the rest of their life. No, it's not cruel and unusual to put people to death for committing crimes and sins that are worthy of death, according to the Bible, according to the justice and righteousness of God. Also, we have to understand that in relation to spiritual things, that any sin is worthy of death. Any sin will lead to hell, and we must repent and overcome those sins. We have to have this understanding and discernment. Hebrews 11, or Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to 14 says, Concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For, whoever, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. They are the mature. They have the ability, because they've been trained to discern between good and evil. And what has trained them to do this? The word of God. The word of God. That's what we need to do. That's where we need to go in order to have this discernment. Verse 10. For wisdom will enter into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. Doesn't that sound good? to have the wisdom of God, not only before us in the word of God externally, right? We need that. We need the word of God externally before us. But more than that, we need it in our heart. We need it to go into our heart. Well, when we pursue wisdom the right way, then this is what will happen. God will take his word, his wisdom, and he will write it by his spirit onto our hearts. And then if it's on our heart, then we're gonna be steadfast. We're gonna be immovable, right, in the things of God. We're gonna live a godly life. We're gonna do those things that are pleasing to the Lord. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul, right? Isn't there a lot of people that they don't, they have no desire for the things of God? If they had to sit and endure a sermon like you, you people have to endure every week, they would be in misery. They would hate it. It's not pleasant to them at all. Well, we don't want to be like that, do we? Whenever we open our Bibles, do we want it to be dull and dry and boring to us? Do we want it to be like walking through a thorn patch? No, we want it to be pleasant to us, something that is soothing, something that that is good for us, right? This is the way that we ought to be. And then we'll have discretion guarding us, understanding will watch over us. When we seek the word of God, when we take it into our heart in this way, when God writes it on our heart, then we're going to have discretion guarding us, understanding, watching over us, protecting us as we go through life so that we don't come under the spell of sinners who are going to tempt us to sin. That's what they want to do. They want us to sin and commit sins with them. But when we have the wisdom of God, We're going to be guarded from them. We're going to know this guy's lying to me. He's telling me that we're going to have a great time going to the bar, getting drunk, and going and spending time with these loose women. But I know from the Bible that those people will lead me to hell. So why am I going to listen to this guy? I know he's a liar. He's not speaking truthfully to me. He's saying one thing, but really it's something else. Well, if I have the wisdom of God, I'm going to be able to discern that. I'm going to be able to say this guy, something isn't right with him. This man over here is telling me that uh, the world came about by evolution, right? By uh, through billions and billions of years. Where did he get this from? Where, Where is this taught in the Bible? It's not anywhere in the Bible. This guy, he's not honest with me. He's not telling me the truth. He's lying to me, actually. And if he's lying to me, then he's of the devil. And he wants to destroy me and ruin my soul. That's what we need. We need discernment and wisdom so that we're guarded, we're protected in this life from those who want to destroy us. That wisdom will watch over us and guard us from sin. From sin. That's what the wisdom of God is given to us for to overcome sin. The wisdom of God teaches us how it is that we can have our sins forgiven and how it is that we can be delivered from our sin. We need discernment and understanding so that we can accurately distinguish between good and evil, walking in the path of the good and avoiding the pathway of evil. Verses 12 to 15, he describes one of the types of persons that we need to be guarded from, that wisdom will watch over us and deliver us from this type of person. Verse 12, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. We. This sounds like a dangerous fellow, right? Do we want this guy having an influence over us? Do we want to walk with him Do we want to be a companion with this kind of a man? No, we don't wanna be around him. He speaks perverse things. He has left the path of righteousness. He walks in ways of darkness. He delights in doing evil. He rejoices in perversity of evil. He has crooked paths. He's devious in his ways. Do you want to be with devious people? Do you want your children hanging out with devious perverse people? No, because if we spend time with these kinds of people, then what will happen to us? Bad company corrupts good morals. Their bad company is gonna corrupt our good morals. They're not gonna be made better by us. We're gonna be made worse by them. This is the way that it works. Well, we need to be delivered from them. And how are we gonna be delivered? By the wisdom of God, by the word of God. The word of God will give us the understanding so that we can see through their lives. Because no evil man is going to come up to you and say, hey, I'm an evil man, and I'm trying to get you to go to hell with me. No one does that unless they're just insane. They all claim to be our friends. Oh, I love you. I love you. I just want you to experience these things that I've come to experience. Right? It's not going to hurt you. Right? It's going to be good for you. You're really going to like it. Right? And, and after all, you know, do we want to live according to a book that's thousands of years old? You know, there's other knowledge out there. Well, I'm not saying that the Bible is bad. The Bible is good, but there's other things that we can experience out there. There's other things that we can do. There's, there's other wisdom out there, and there's other ways, right? There's the Bible way, but there's other ways as well. And we can all just do this and get along, and we're all gonna make it to heaven. After all, don't you know God loves you, right? Billy Graham told me a hundred times, that God <laughs> loves you, he loves all of you, and we're all gonna make it to heaven one day. This is what they say, right? They say these kinds of things, and then you know, you go, oh, you know what? My pastor, he's, he's too dogmatic, you know? He's, he's a, 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 he doesn't have any fun. He's a stick in the mud. And this guy sounds like a lot of fun. So I'm going to go and spend time with him. And then you begin to drift in these ways. If a blind man leaves a blind man, they both fall into a pit. Or it says in Proverbs thirteen twenty, he who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm if we have companionship with fools we will become a fool just like them and we will suffer harm just as they do in verse 12 it says this man speaks perverse things his mouth is not full of wisdom truth and righteousness but perversity perverse things come out of his mouth lies he's a liar he speaks lies and ultimately a lie is anything that contradicts the bible he speaks things contrary to the bible and says that these things are true and that we should live according to what he says he's contradicting the bible proverbs chapter 6 proverbs chapter 6 verse 12 it says a worthless person A wicked man is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife. A worthless, wicked man, he walks with a perverse mouth, perverted mouth, saying things that are contrary to the word of God. He leaves the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. He wants to walk in darkness because what do you get to do in the darkness? You get to sin. Isn't that when when people get drunk in the dark, they commit immorality in the dark? He doesn't wanna walk in the light of the Lord. He wants to walk in the pathway of darkness. He wants someone to tell him dark things that you can practice sin and still go to heaven. You can be a Christian homosexual. You can be a Christian adulterer. You can be a Christian fornicator, a Christian thief, right? A Christian murderer. It's okay. It's all about the grace of God. You can walk in these dark ways and you're still going to make it to heaven one day because God loves us all. He leaves the path of uprightness, which teaches us to deny our sin, to say no to sin and yes to righteousness, to live upright, godly lives in this present age. He leaves that path and he goes into the way of darkness. This is because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, John chapter 3, 19 and 20. Verse 14, he delights in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil. They delight in it. They love their sin. They want to drink it down. They want to drain it. They love to commit the evil deeds of darkness. They find delight and pleasure in sin. And is there a kind of delight in sin? There is a fleeting pleasure of sin, but what does the pleasure of sin always give way to? It gives way to death and to the day of judgment. And even many of these people, whatever pleasure they even have in this life is very temporary and short-lived. And then many of them are miserable, wretched creatures for all of their life, and then they die and they're gonna go to hell. Proverbs ten twenty-three says, doing wickedness is like sport to a fool. And so is wisdom to a man of understanding. Doing wickedness is like sport to a fool. He loves it. He likes to play the game of wickedness. But the wise man, he likes to play the game of wisdom. For him, he delights not in doing evil. He delights in doing good. Then verse 15, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. They have crooked paths. They're not on the straight path of the Lord. They're not walking in the highway of holiness, but they have crooked paths, paths that stray away from the commandments of God. This is a very dangerous man, dangerous and deadly. And if we listen to him, we're gonna go to hell with him. And it is the word of God that gives us discernment and understanding that will guard us and keep us away from men like this so that we don't come under their spell and we're not led into a pit with them. Proverbs 21.8 says, The way of a guilty man is crooked, but as for the pure, his conduct is upright. There, the contrast between crooked is upright. The way of the guilty man is a crooked way, but the way of the pure man is the upright way. So here, crooked means impure, sinful, evil, contrary to the will of God. Verse 16, not only do we need to be delivered from the evil man, but also do you know that there's many women in the world as well? And that we need to be delivered from evil women too, right, evil women, verse 16, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the path of life. Contrary to popular opinion today, all women are not virtuous, that there are evil women. Now, there are some virtuous women, according to the word of God, like righteous Sarah, like many other righteous women in the Bible, but there are also evil women out there who know and understand how to tempt men to commit sin, who use the wiles of their sexuality, who use their body, who use their flirtiness in order to trap men and send them to hell. And the book of Proverbs warns us, not only here, but in other places, chapter seven is dedicated to the adulterous woman and how dangerous she is and how she manipulates this young man, right? This is the way it is in the world. Many men are ruined by evil men and many men are ruined by evil women who use their body and who use flattery, who use these types of things in order to trick and deceive men into committing sins against God to their own ruin and destruction. We need to be delivered from the strange woman, from the adulterous woman. Not all women are virtuous and not all women have our good in mind, that there are evil women out there and we need to be on guard against them. Here in verse 16, He calls her the strange woman, a strange woman, the adulteress who flatters with her words. Strange because she doesn't belong to you. She belongs to another man. And strange because the marriage bed is to be kept undefiled, according to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. You're not supposed to bring a stranger into the marriage bed, but it is a sacred place between the husband and the wife. Well, this woman, this adulterous woman though she has a husband and though it may be true that the one that she's trying to lure has a wife, yet she is trying to bring another man into the marriage bed. And this is why she is a strange woman. She does not belong to this man and yet she is seducing him to commit adultery with flattery in her words. She has flattery In her words, isn't this true that many women know how to hook men in this way? They flatter them. They talk about, oh, I love you so much. You're so wonderful. Uh, I don't know what all they say, but I'm sure it's it's great, right? They say all sorts of stuff in order to get the men thinking, man, this woman, she thinks I hung the moon, right? She thinks I'm the greatest and, and I can't think of anyone else but this woman, right? She's on my mind all the time but she's flattering you. She's telling you what you want to hear, but does she really love you and care for you? She's saying that she does by her words, but you know that she doesn't by her actions. Because if a woman truly loves a man, is she going to lead him to commit adultery? Of course not. not. It's impossible because adultery leads to hell. It leads to death and destruction. She flatters, but she doesn't really mean it. We have to see through this. Through the flattery. Verse 17, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. She leaves her companion of youth. The man that she married when she was young, when they were in love, and then they go through some years together and they grow apart, and whatever happens, you know, and now. She's on the prowl. She's looking for either a younger man because, you know, as men get older, their chest becomes their belly, right? He's not good looking anymore. I want a good looking young man or, you know, he's boring. Uh, There's no uh, fire in our love anymore. And I want something exciting, something that's uh, dangerous, right? Something that's new and like that. And so she's looking for another man. She's forgotten the husband of her youth. Right? the man that she married, that she made these vows to, right? to be faithful and true to him and to no other, that he would be her husband and she would be his wife and the two would be bound together in a holy, sacred covenant until death alone parted them. But she has abandoned and forgotten the companion of her youth. She leaves him and she forgets the covenant of her God. Don't we all make covenants before God when we get married? Don't we all say that I'm marrying this person, no one goes to the marriage and makes a covenant and says that I'm gonna be true to you and three or four other people. No one does that at their marriage. Every marriage I've ever been to, the husband and wife take vows before God, before the people that they will be faithful to each other and that they belong to each other alone. Meaning that no other man has a right to her and she has a right to no other man. And they do this before who? Before holy God, before God, we make these vows. Yet she forgets the covenant of her God. Here, she's also a false believer, right? She made a covenant to God. So at least she's recognizing God in some capacity. She's superficial and he's writing to to, uh, people in Israel. This is when he's writing this. Those who claim to worship God and serve God. She claims to be a child of God. She claims to have made this covenant before God, not before a false God, but before the true God. And yet she forgets what she has done. We shouldn't do this. Husbands should not forget the wife of their youth, nor should wives forget the husband of their youth. But rather, we should remember the husband and the wife of our youth, and we should rejoice in them. Rejoice in them for how long? As long as we're both alive, as long as we have life, we should rejoice in the husband or the wife that God has given. Proverbs 5.18 says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a, loving, um, in, as a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. There, you should rejoice in the wife of your youth. Why are you going to this adulteress when you have your own wife and you can rejoice in her? You can have her. You don't need another woman. God has given you A wife is a completely needless sin because you have a wife. So go and be with the wife of your youth. Also, verse 18 says, for her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. Ultimately, where does she lead? Where does the adulterous woman lead? And the man who commits adultery with her, they go to death. Her house sinks to death. Her tracks lead to the dead. None who go return again. They don't reach the path of life. She leads to hell. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's showing. Now, if the man is judging the situation according to his senses, according to his physical senses, what his eye is seeing, the smells that he's smelling, the touch and the feel of the woman. If he's judging the situation according to his passions, is he going to make the right decision? No, he's not. He's going to, he's going to fall prey to it. But he has to judge the situation according to the eternal ramifications of what is going to happen. He has to look at it from the eternal perspective. In this, he cannot see with his physical eyes, nor can he touch it with his physical hands. He has to see it by faith in the word of God. That's what he's doing here. He's giving us this wisdom and understanding. Yes, it looks all good. It looks so appealing. How could something that feels so good, how could it be wrong? But you have to see it for what it truly is. Ultimately, it's going to lead to hell. Her house is going to sink you down into the depths of hell. So what should you do? You should be like Joseph. Joseph, when Potiphar's wife tempted Joseph to commit adultery, what did Joseph do? He ran as fast as he could away from her because he saw her for what she really was. He saw that she was a devil incarnate and that she wanted him to go to hell. And he didn't want to go to hell. He wanted to go to heaven. So he ran away as fast as he could. And this is the way that we should be as well when it comes to the adulterous woman, the adulterous man, whomever it is, right? Because we know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses nine through 11, it starts listing off the sins that if a person practices these sins, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And what is one of the sins listed there? Adultery, adultery. Those who practice adultery will not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot be a Christian adulterer and go to heaven. It doesn't work that way. Just like you can't be a Christian murderer, a Christian kidnapper, you can't be a Christian anything like that. You have to reject that sin and we have to overcome it. Verse 20. So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. Armed with this understanding, right, this knowledge of evil men and evil women, what's the result going to be? He's going to say, I'm going to stay away from these kinds of people. I'm not going to be around these kinds of men, and I'm not going to be around these kinds of women. But instead, I'm going to find good men. I want to find some wise men. Some righteous men, that's the ones I want to spend my time with. I'm a companion of all of those who fear you, we read in Psalm 119, of those who keep your commandments. I want to be with the wise. I want to be with those who fear God. I want to be with Christians, those who are going to help me in my Christian life, in my faith. He who walks with the wise grows wise. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The wise man is going to see this and say, well, I don't want to be around these fools because they're going to drag me down. So I'm going to go find wise men and spend my time with them. And I don't want to marry a loose woman like this. I want to find me a righteous woman, a godly one, one who fears God. That's the one I'm going to marry. And then I'm going to be devoted to her. And we'll get married and we'll raise a family together and we'll help each other out in our Christian life. This is the proper way that we ought to look at things, walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. Verse 21, for the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. Ultimately here, we're dealing with eternal life and eternal damnation. That's what he means here. The upright will live in the land. The blameless will remain in it. The land of Israel is symbolic. It is typic- it's, uh, typifying the heavenly Canaan, the heavenly land. Those who are upright, who walk in integrity, right? Those who are true believers in their faith is manifested by good deeds, by living a righteous life. They will remain in the land. They're going to go to the kingdom of God. They will go to the heavenly Canaan, right? The heavenly paradise. And they will be there for how long? For ever and ever, for all eternity. But the wicked are going to be cut off from the land. The treacherous will be uprooted from it. They're not going to go to heaven, but they're going to be cast out. And where is their portion? Their portion is in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The righteous will go to heaven and the wicked will go to hell. So what kind of life should we live? We have to live a godly life. We have to live a righteous life. We have to walk in the wisdom of God, which teaches us again first how to be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ and repentance of sin. And then it teaches us how to live a godly life in the way that we should walk. This is what we have to do, and we have to see that when we're dealing with the wisdom of God, we're dealing with issues of eternal significance, eternal life, eternal death, heaven and hell. That's what we're dealing with here, so we have to take it very, very seriously. That's why at the beginning he's saying, you have to receive these things. You must listen to these things, because I'm, I'm not talking about... Temporal things. We're not talking about just how to have a better life. We're not just talking about uh, seven habits of highly successful people. We are talking about the difference between heaven and hell. That's the way we have to approach the Bible. Every single time we open it, every single time we read it, we must listen to the Word of God. We have to receive the wisdom of God. So may this be our approach, and may we have this faith. And this attitude toward the Word of God. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have given to us your wisdom. Lord, you have recorded it for us in your Word. And Father, we pray that, Lord, this attitude would be ours, that we would see, Lord, that the Bible is not dealing with things that simply pertain to this life, but it is dealing with things of eternal significance. Lord, spiritual life and spiritual death, eternal life and eternal death. Lord, we know that if we reject your wisdom, Lord, if we do not listen to it, if we walk according to our own understanding, Lord, we will be destroyed. Lord, we will be cut off from the land. We will not inherit the kingdom of God. Lord, we know that the unrighteous will not inherit your kingdom. And, Lord, we don't want to be counted with them. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us your wisdom. Lord, we come to you, Lord, admitting and knowing that we lack wisdom and that you and you alone are the only wise God. Only you can make us wise. Lord, only you can give us the understanding that we need, Lord, to be able to be reconciled to you and, Lord, to be able to live a godly life. And so, Father, we pray that what we lack, Lord, that you would supply it to us in great measure, that, Lord, you would graciously give to us your wisdom so that we might be able to live, Lord, properly before you in this present life and prepare ourselves for the life to come. Lord, guard us from evil men and from evil women, Lord, those who want to lead us to hell. Lord, deliver us from the devil. Lord, deliver us from sin. And Lord, help us to live upright and godly lives in this present age. Lord, give us safety as we travel home today. Lord, we pray that you would, uh, Lord, be with us throughout this week. Help us, Lord, to do your will. And then bring us back together on Wednesday. And it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.